0: Welcome to DLP Daily, I'm your host Ash Thompson, and today, we're going to talk about why the interior defensive line may be the key to the entire Detroit Lions season in 2023. See you after the jump. Lions fans, it's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is... The Detroit Lions Podcast. I remember the days all of two years ago when the analytics people were telling me that the new Lions regime was doomed because they clearly had no idea how to build a team. You see, the Lions had drafted two defensive tackles in the first three rounds of the regime's first draft. And because someone else's positional value chart said that that was bad, because team building, you see, can be done in a vacuum and pays no attention to context, or so I was told at the time. Because none of this is my opinion; it's I'm, I'm just telling you what the very smart people on the internet told me two years ago about the Detroit Lions rushing like this, and this is not my opinion at all i'm i'm just I'm just some stupid chump. like and I mean these same people told me that the lions should have drafted Malik Willis too, and maybe if they did, they would have made the playoffs last year i don't I, I don't know I, I don't know maybe they would uh like I said, smart people who know their football inside and out, upside down,
1: spreadsheet and abacus And these
0: smart people, very intelligent, probably the most intelligent people, they said that the only value a defensive tackle holds is in their ability to rush the passer. The difference in the result when a top-graded defensive tackle against the run compared to an average-graded defensive tackle against the run is minuscule. Any and all who argued that there was in fact any value at the defensive tackleization were knuckle-draking credence, such as myself, uh, that they must yearn for the past when football was a barbaric sport. Played by neanderthalic, ground-game-obsessed cavemen, who were old and thus inherently fools caught in nostalgia for a bygone era, the days of their youth, which had faded as they slowly waited to die.
1: I asked them if they'd done any research into the historical tendencies
0: of the League to adapt as it moves forward such as the proliferation of the Seahawks version of the cover three defense having been a response to offenses adapting to the previous proliferation of the Tampa two defense throughout the league. I mentioned that as teams filled the field with defensive backs, offensive coordinators would surely notice an opportunity to run the ball unless exploit that. And uh, I believe 2023 was the most efficient rushing season in a very long time. I don't remember the exact time frame since well before this conversation started two years ago, let's just say. But I asked how they could explain that most of the teams that make the playoffs every year are good at running the ball and stopping the run. I was assured by these generous, intelligent folks spending their time educating me, surely growing tired of my senile brain and, and my concerns They showed me that those were beneath consideration, and that I was foolish for for studying the past and looking for ways to predict what might occur in the future. Well, these wonderful people, who I assure you are very fun to interact with, and I I definitely enjoy my interactions with them, are basing their entire worldview on an article written in 2011. Uh, Studying the decade prior to that, where in the league was overvaluing running backs and hadn't done very much introspection in terms of the conventional wisdom stating that uh, offensive football was about running the ball and defensive football was about stopping the run, which was the mindset of every NFL coach in the latter 20 years of the 20th century. So now I'd like to turn their argument against them a little bit here. Uh, Conclusions drawn in 2011 have little or no bearing on what defines sound decision-making in the year 2023. The world that was discussed in that article uh, that gets laked first in every discussion on this topic I find my time and effort wasted in is as relevant as destination television, MapQuest, CDs, a DVR free evening and weekend calling plans, rear-projection screens, or ring that you buy.
1: By the way, uh, if you don't
0: know what those are, and think therefore you don't understand the point I'm trying to make, that is my point. My distinguished and incredibly intellectual friends. Having players on the D-line that can stop the run without help lets you do something that does have a massive effect on your main goal as a defense, which is to stop the explosive passing game. But I'm an old man. Perhaps I've become
1: adult. Am I saying that a key component of stopping the passing game is to have defenders who can stop the run?
0: Follow me on a journey of logical reasoning. I know they don't teach this in schools anymore. I am a teacher, after all. I deal with it constantly.
1: But the best way to stop
0: the passing game, schematically, in the current NFL, as the most successful offenses function right now is to play some variation of the Nick Fangio split safety defense, which focuses on limiting explosive plays by keeping safeties deep and as far away from the running game as is possible. The base defense of the NFL has become nickel over the last 20 years, as teams have become very willing to let offenses run the ball due to the lack of danger inherent in any given run play. The thing with the death by a thousand cuts that is losing a game to a running offense is that the team doing the cutting has to be able to cut a thousand times, or that doesn't work. Uh, prior to the 2000s, it was almost entirely around running the ball and stopping the run that most offenses and defenses were built. Uh, the 4 3, that's a defense with four linemen and three off ball linebackers, if you're unaware. And the 3 4. That's a defense with three down linemen and four linebackers, but two of those linebackers are most often used as pass rushers and not coverage players. Base defenses are designed with seven of the eleven defensive players, primarily concerned with stopping the run before moving on to their passing game responsibilities. A nickel defense is the response of most offenses in the league the vast majority of the time having replaced the fullback position with a third wide receiver. 65% of all plays in 2022 were from 11 personnel, which is a three-receiver formation with one running back and one tight end. Most teams don't even carry a dedicated fullback on their roster anymore, and the third receiver has become a starting position in the league. In a nickel defense, the 4-3 replaces one of those three off-ball linebackers with a defensive back, inherently increasing the coverage
1: capability of the defense.
0: In the 3-4, one of the big, fugly defensive tackle guys gets replaced by the defensive back, causing an even greater rise in the capability of that defense to cover the pass both of those defenses end up in some variation of a 4 or 2 effectively more often than not. It just exponentially increases the defense's capability in stopping the explosive passing game, and that is what you want to do, that is the most important thing for a defense. Are you with me so far? Have we all followed the train to the station to get to this point? The other factor that has changed in offenses is the alteration of the definition of the role of tight end. This season, I was told by smart people that a tight end with 20 catches in college was going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. Well, Darrell Washington fell to the third round because nobody gives a shit whether a tight end can block anymore. In the days of the 4-3 and the 3-4, a tight end was more of a blocker than a receiver, but that's no longer the case. Like These guys just can't block when they come out of college anymore. And if the guy who can block comes onto the field, he replaces the third wide receiver and teams just go to a base defense. And we've seen that base defense is less than 45% of the time in the NFL, if that makes sense. Offenses are fielding a tight end that can't block in addition to not having a fullback on the field anymore. When most of the old base defenses were designed, both of those were the case. With the biggest run-clogger on the field, or the linebacker they can't cover, having gone to the sideline in what is now actually the base defense, the 4-2 league-wide, teams are asking safeties and corners to fill in in in-run support. At least, many teams are doing that. Some have done something different. Over the course of the last few years, which the Lions were trying to get ahead of the curve on.
1: Are you still with me? They've started stocking up on talented defensive linemen. And the reason
0: for that is simple. If you have two men accomplishing the job that used to require three, because they're facing lighter resistance in accomplishing that task, with no fullback and a tight end who can't block on the field, that frees another player up to do the important thing. The thing that matters more than run support. If a team can stay in nickel defense against the other team's base offense and still stop the run, they have an advantage that can't be overestimated. If a team can go to 12 personnel with two tight ends and a running back, which is the equivalent that has replaced the fullback for most of the teams that don't carry one, and they can stay in a nickel defense or even a dime defense and stop the run, it's a massive advantage. But what do I know, right? I'm just some old guy howling into the wind of the internet. Only there was a team I could point at that had drafted defensive tackles in the first round for two consecutive years, trying to achieve this goal. Oh wait,
1: there is. The Philadelphia Eagles. Only terrible teams would do this.
0: Dix-up, who is the NFC's team that got to the Super Bowl? What did they draft in the first round last year? And then what did they draft in the first round this year? It doesn't matter. It's a terrible team that's not having any success recently. Like, we're all super stoked that the Philadelphia Eagles are a team that the Lions have to go through to get to the Super Bowl, right? Because they make terrible decisions and they're going to be an awful team, right? No, but that's probably because we're not very smart. And in our foolishness, we believe D Line's ability to stop the run. Without help from an extra linebacker or bringing on another defensive lineman, is going to be one of the biggest factors in how far the Detroit Lions can go this season. Have a stupidly good day. Let's bring
1: it in here together. Let's go, baby. Lions on three, one, two, three. Lions! You've had enough of that shit.